Welcome back to Pause and Ponder. I'm Susie, your host, and today my daughter Jess is joining me on the podcast. Jess is my third child, a nurse and a new mom. There was a time when I would have described Jess as my old soul child, the one who had deep thoughts. She was the one who composed songs when she was four, songs that actually rhymed, and wrote poetry when she was a teenager. But honestly, I find that all my kids sort of wow me with their deep thoughts these days. Anyway, we had a lot of fun just talking through the many topics in Psalm 16. I hope our conversation stirs up your own thoughts and gives you pause to ponder as you go about your day. Well, hey, Jess, thanks for joining me today as the the last of the the OG4 to make it to the podcast. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that I get to be here. I was like your only option left. Although I am very glad. I was thinking yesterday as I was listening to last week's podcast um, that I'm really glad that you didn't have me come on for the one about reading the Bible like and, and having um, time with God every day um, because that's something that I have struggled with for pretty much my whole life. <laughs> Not that I have always failed at it, but it is something that I have to work very hard to do well. And so um, I don't know that I am someone who should be talking about it. <laughs> so you didn't want to be on that one, but you know what, that's yeah, an no. important, that's an important perspective. And that's what I love about having all the different, all four of you on is that you really do have all different perspectives. Uh, as every mother knows every child is unique, but you guys are all in unique places in your life. And so it's all good, but instead it worked out. You get to talk about Psalm 16 that I covered last week. So what yeah. did you think? Um, I loved it. I love, I love the Psalms. Um, that is when I do, um, like I said, I often struggle with having uh, something consistent for a quiet time. Um, but Psalms, I feel like it's something you can just open to. And it's just like, I don't know, it's like tea for your soul. Um, that it's just something so comforting to read. Um, and so I really enjoyed, and I really enjoyed that that podcast was very much like a quiet time that um, I was really busy yesterday, and so I was able to just listen to it as I was cleaning and, and cooking and um, caring for my, my daughter, who's three months old, um, and I didn't have time to sit down and do a whole lot. But Yeah, that was kind of my goal, was I was like, oh, I got to get back to this, like, you can listen to something for 20 minutes, and it feels like just something light that you can do. So that, that was kind of my goal with just, let's just go to a song. So let's just start with verse one. Yeah, I have thoughts. I, I think I have thoughts about every verse. <laughs> I, I learned to study the Bible from you, so I, I have a very similar, similar um, method in in how I go through things. Um, I think that 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 first, I guess it's actually the first two verses. I have it written like it's the first verse, but the first two verses: "The preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my God, my Lord, and I have no good apart from you." That really stuck out to me. That we can't take credit for any of the good things in our life, which sounds really discouraging for a moment. But then it's like, you know, I'm sitting here in my house, just feeling so blessed right now that my daughter is asleep and my dogs are healthy and my daughter is healthy and, and our life is pretty good right now. Um, we're, we're definitely in a time of blessing um, and just realizing that that is all from God. Like every good thing that has ever happened to me is from God and how blessed I feel by that like that God is our father and just to think that every good thing that has ever happened to me every moment where I was like wow that was exactly what I needed today or even just like even if it was just something really small like enjoying a cup of coffee I have that because God has blessed my life and that's just I don't know it makes me feel very loved 
Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Uh, what a reminder of how loved we are when we look at all the good we do have in our life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't really focus on the like giving credit to God part of that when I did the podcast, but I think that's really true. And that because sometimes life doesn't feel good, there can be things that are not good in our lives. And then you're like, okay, so it's easy, it would be easy to think from what we just said, oh, so God doesn't love me because I don't have all those good things, but that is not true right? Which I think you are going to say something about. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I think it can be so easy when I know I have, have um, fallen into the trap of when things are really hard. There have been quite a few seasons of my life where there has just been a lot of hard um, going on. And to, to think in those moments, like, I don't even want good from God. Like, God can't bring good into this situation because this situation is just awful. And I don't want that good because there's nothing good can come from this. I don't want good to come from this because it's awful. Um, and, and that is, is like, it, I mean, it's, you're just, when you're in an emotionally hard place, sometimes that's where you are and it's okay to be there. But I think it's just a good reminder that even if it's just something small, it's still, you know, the good in your life is, is a gift. Yeah. It's and saying that sentence that I have <laughs> good apart from you isn't saying everything in my life is good. It's saying everything that is good is from you. Even if the bad or the hard is overwhelming, there's always still something good from God. And I think the key is the, the sentence before that. I say to you, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. So first comes that like commitment to, I'm going to follow you um, even through hard things. And then recognizing that whatever good I have is from God. And, and I think that, I, I think I should do a, a different podcast, a different episode on um, when you're in a place that you're like, I don't even want good to come from this because that's a very real feeling. And we could do a different episode on that because that's, I mean, I think we could look at that in Psalm 16 because I talked about commitment and contentment. So it's there, but that's a, like a valid feeling that I feel like we as Christians feel like you're not allowed to say. And you can work through it. I, I don't think we stay there. But to say, I don't want good to come out of this brokenness, this hurt, this evil, this wickedness, is something I think a lot of people can relate to. Absolutely. And that I think that's a conversation you and I have had before. Um, yeah. That was something that I really struggled with in college um, and actually went through, like, not verse by verse, but section by section. Um, in Romans 8, because there's the verse that I'll probably butcher if I try and quote it. Um, oh, you mean Romans 8.28, right? I'll just read it for you. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's the one, right? And and I had, had been in a sermon or a retreat or something where they talked about that verse and just really reacted to it emotionally. And, and was like, I need to address this. But I ended up, I was like, I don't think I can handle, like, I can't go straight to that verse. So I started in the beginning of Romans 8, because there's just so much in that whole chapter. Yeah. Um, and just took it section, but, you know, like, just read till sort of that statement was done, and then wrote it down in my journal, and like, just, just sort of processed it until I got to that. And um, it, but it took me a really long time to, to sort of come to terms with, with that. And I think what I kind of, what comforted me was even if, I'm in a situation that I don't want good to come from, that I feel like no good should come from this. It's just bad. That verse is not talking about my definition of good. 
Dad and I have different definitions of good. My good, my definition of self good is something that's good for me. That <laughs> that is something I enjoy, um, and and that's not God's definition. And so it's okay for me to not see it as good as long as I can trust that God sees the good in it. That's where the "You are my Lord" comes in. Like I'm, you get to decide. Like another way to say "You are my Lord" is you get to decide what is good and what is bad. But at the same time, I don't want to imply that evil can ever be good. God hates wickedness. And there's lots of verses that balance that out with God absolutely hates evil and is, you know, can have no part in it. So I don't think God ever calls evil good. He can take something so evil and redeem, uh, just like he does us. We're evil, right? And he redeems us. And even if that's the only good that comes from it, maybe that's, you know, God redeeming it. So yes. I meant the definitions of good more like, yeah. like with a small child that as an adult, I know vegetables are good and they don't necessarily think vegetables are good. <laughs> um, that having, okay. having the different perspectives of good, there, not, not certainly not that God would think evil is good. But I think that is all of that is like, there's all of those thoughts and feelings behind what I said about that verse being about commitment and contentment. You know, and contentment is, is not an easy thing and it requires faith when we have hard circumstances. It requires faith to be content in them. So absolutely. And I think it requires commitment. You have to commit to being content. Um, that was something I sort of noticed through this whole psalm and, and you touched on in the podcast of just that David is choosing these things. He is choosing to follow God. He is choosing to be content. Um, and God can certainly help us in those choices, but to some extent, it is our choice. We have to choose not to sin. And just, just that, that that's our responsibility is to choose to be content. And, and then God can meet us with helping us to grow and helping us to, to find the contentment. We just have to make the choice. Yeah. The first six verses, the choices. And then in the last five verses, the testimony of making those choices. Because then the seventh verse says, I bless the Lord. And when we make the choices that are in those first six verses, the result will be what happens in the last seven verses. It, just in that first verse, I think, you know, the way I read this psalm uh, when I had tried to memorize it in the car was like, I want this to be my prayer. And so then I had to pause and really say like, oh, can I actually pray that? <laughs> That's kind of like, it's not just like, like you said, the Psalms are like a cup of tea and comforting. I was like, this is actually a little more like, um, I don't know, but challenging, you know, like, oh, if I'm going to mean it, like, this is a big deal. This is asking a lot um, to mean it. There are definitely some challenges to Psalms as well. And I think that that really hits home with verse three, talking about uh, delighting in the saints, um, and you were talking about our relationships um, with other Christians. You really talked about having an attitude of of delighting in in other Christians, and and it just to me really spoke to having an attitude of grace and not harboring anger against each other, um, and that just really kind of screamed to me unity of like mm. so important. Um, to have unity in the church and, and not just your church, not just the church you go to or the Christians you know, but the, the, the global church, um, the, the church of Christ that, you know, even though we might not agree on everything um, and, and might not agree on some things that are significant, as long as it's not, you know, that those salvation issues that are really, really important, 
um, you know, saying we need to be unified because we're all one in, in Christ. Um, well, that, man, that's super important today, right? I mean, you just think about masks or vaccines or anything like that. And just within the church, not even with the world, there's a lot of division happening over the pandemic, over current events. And I mean, I think that unity is super important. Yeah. And um, I think that actually kind of led into what, what I wrote down about verse four, just talking about the sorrow of those who do not follow God and who, um, who follow other gods. I think I was sort of reflecting on you, you in your podcast, I think you challenged us to sort of think about what are those false gods for us today. And I really thought about um, like social media and our identities on social media. And that, that kind of led me into realizing we are so divided, our whole world, not just, just Christians, but, um, but certainly Christians as well, divided by this idea of like, we have to be activists for something specific. And it's so great to be involved in activism and to stand up for, for people who need it. But that, that, I don't know, I think it, it has become a very divisive thing on social media of like, I need to be pushing really hard for this one issue. And if you don't care about the issue that I care about, then you're a horrible person. Um, and, and I think that that has certainly crept into Christian spaces of, of, well, if you're not like your whole focus isn't about pro-life and the pro-life movement, or your whole focus isn't about human trafficking or fill in the blank with whatever, whatever cause, then you're not really a Christian. You're not really like God cares about this. Well, God cares about a lot of things. So, um, it's so important to be unified. Yeah. And I mean, all of those, the, the issues you mentioned anyway, are important, but that's, it, it makes me think back to that's why there's a body of Christ. Like if we all only cared about one issue, then what would happen to all the others? And I think it's, it goes back to, you called it an attitude of grace. I would call it also about being spirit led, you know, that if God does give you a passion for an issue, that doesn't mean you ignore it, like go for it, but do it with grace that, you realize God is calling other people to other things. Um, and, uh, you know, and that keeps God first versus the issue becoming an idol or your own, your own agenda, your own self or whatever. So I think verse three about the saints being excellent yes. instead of being yes. like Christians yes. are a mess, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> when you keep God first, then you recognize that different Christians are doing different things in the kingdom of God and how exciting it is to do your part, even, you know, yeah, whatever that might be. Absolutely. And it's okay to have passion for that. I think it's great. You know, God gives us passion for specific causes, for things that, that are going to really matter to us and maybe hit close to home for us. And it's great, I think, to, to talk to other people about it and to educate them or to make them more aware of, you know, especially if you're passionate about something that people might not be as aware of like um, yeah. human trafficking, I think is a good example because it's something that a lot of people don't realize is happening like in their neighborhood, which is horrible. And as Christians, we have to be so careful to, everyone should be careful, but especially as Christians to, to inform people graciously and to say like, oh, do you not know? Like, can I tell you more about this? Mm-hmm. Instead of, wait, you don't know? Like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and be judgmental about it. Those things are really important. And when you keep God first, you can still say that, that verse. Right. And the humility, the humility to to say, you know, oh, can you tell me about it? I don't know uh, about that. Or, um, you know, a humility that doesn't just start reciting off everything I do know about it, but stops to listen. Um, that That would be wonderful. 
<laughs> it would be. And in this information age, I think we're kind of expected to know everything, but it's a good reminder, um, especially as Christians, that we're supposed to be humble, that, you know, we're not. I can't know everything. I don't watch news at all. Um, I watch children's shows. I think it's important to say, you know what, I, I care, but I'm not, I don't have the, all the answers. Absolutely. Um, I think that's so true. And I think I love this song because it just leads into itself so well um, that looking ahead at verse five, um, which is the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, you hold my lot. I think that is kind of, I mean, it's part of the answer of we need to choose the Lord. We need to choose to walk mm. in the Lord, to follow the Lord, um, and to let him that that statement, you hold my lot, really stuck out to me of this idea that like God holds our lives. He holds the plants. He holds, he's the answer. He's got it all. And so if we can just trust him to have it all and we can just say, okay, I choose the Lord. You're my leader. I'm going to follow you. Then, I mean, not that we should just sit in our houses and be like, I chose God. And so I'm, I'm doing the right thing and just waiting for his, his call. You should certainly still do things and care about activism and things like that. But that if we're, if we're making that conscious choice every day to follow God um, and, and to, to let him be the leader of our life, then that's, that's the only answer we need. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I thought it was interesting. I'm going to move ahead to verse six. Did you have any thoughts about where it says the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places? Cause I made just a brief mention of like, um, accepting boundaries that God has put up and like closed doors. Cause I think of the lines as being like, I think this is what it means. The boundary lines of like, um, your, like land that you would have because yeah. it's the inheritance. Okay. But um, so I think that's what David is talking about. His inheritance would be land and that the, the like the allotment, but yes. it's kind of like the boundaries in our lives, you know, that accepting yes. that. Yeah, I did that. Um, it wasn't when I read this Psalm, it wasn't that it didn't jump out to me the way or I guess I didn't interpret it the way that you did, but your commentary in the podcast um, was pretty convicting to me, actually, of, of thinking about that as, as the boundary lines, as where, where has God closed doors for me, or where has, am I content within what God has given me right now? Um, and I think that that's something I think about um, in, in Genesis when Adam and Eve eat from the tree and then, and then are cursed. I, I couldn't quote the specific scripture, but when Eve is being cursed, part of it is that she's going to sort of struggle against the authority of her husband. Like mm -hmm. that, that is something that women, I think this is something women in particular struggle with is contentment in what God has given us. Um, I can't speak for men, but it seems like it's something that women, we always want something a little bit more that, you know, I, I, I have seen, certainly seen that in my own life. And especially um, just in the past few months, becoming a stay at home mom, um, and, and, uh, because of our sort of unique situation, we were moving cross country while I was pregnant, um, and, and had a high risk pregnancy and just had a lot going on. So Matthew and I decided together that it was not the best choice for me to pursue, um, another job in our new town, um, mm -hmm. and just to wait until our daughter Jane was born. Um, but I was six months pregnant when we moved. So I had three months of sitting at home, kind of doing nothing, not doing nothing. I was setting up our home and caring for, for Matthew and caring for our home. But, um, but it was, it was hard to be content in that. I was like, this is not what I, my whole life I've wanted to be a stay at home mom. I never wanted to be a stay at home wife. <laughs> I didn't want to just sit at home with the dogs 
waiting for nothing. Um, and I was, I was ready to get on work. Uh, the pregnancy was really hard, but it was really hard to sit at home and not feel productive. Um, but God grew me a lot in that. And I think that it's, it's so easy to be discontent with what God has given us with the, to feel, especially when you have little kids to feel like your world is small and, and sort of limited by nap times and fussy children and, and, and things like that. Um, but it's so important to, to find the contentment in that. Um, a big sort of life motto for me that I think started before COVID but became so much more applicable with the pandemic was that God is not wasting my time. God doesn't waste mm. our time. He has a purpose. God will use every situation. He's not making you wait because he feels like it or, you know, to punish you. He's, if he's making you wait, it's because there's, there's a, a reason for that. And I think of that, especially um, Matthew and I just had our first daughter in February, um, but we had two miscarriages before that, um, uh, back to back. So I was pregnant for 14 months straight, um, which was exhausting. Um, and it was just so frustrating to feel like, like, is this, is this happening because we're not meant to be parents yet? Is this, why is this, is, are we never going to get to be parents? Like, what is going on here? That, that, that was a long period of, of waiting during a global pandemic and during a huge career change and knowing for the better part of a year that we were going to move cross country, but we weren't yet. There was a lot of waiting happening. Um, and, and just, I think that, that's what that makes me think of, of, of having to find contentment in, in your current circumstances is that you're there for a reason. God, God has you in those circumstances. He has those lines up for a reason. Um, and we might not know what it is, but it's, it's comforting to me to know that even if I feel like my world is a little small right now, there's, God has purpose for that small world. And I just have to let him do his thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you first read this Psalm, well, when I first read it, I saw commitment and contentment, but really it speaks so much of faith because commitment and contentment require faith. Um, and that's what I've just heard you say <clears throat> is how you had to trust and have faith in um, the boundaries in your life and in the waiting and in all the things. Yes. That that's what faith looks like. Yeah. Is. And I think really like all of the themes of this psalm, because even um, that was actually something I was thinking about at four o'clock in the morning when I couldn't fall back asleep this morning after <laughs> I got up with Jane and, and fed her um, and then was lying in bed thinking about doing this podcast with you today. Um, and I was thinking ahead to verses eight and nine were what, what really stuck out to me. Just that you were talking about just the permanency and the, um, the commitment God has to us that we know he's not going to abandon us, that we can have confidence in that and how cool that is. But it made me think of something that our pastor growing up would always say in his, his wedding sermons about the relationship between intimacy and permanency. And, and that just kind of led to me a lot of this psalm really talks, speaks towards that relationship we have with God, where as the bride of Christ. And it just it, it makes, me, makes me think of the relationship between a husband and a wife. Of, and I think there is a lot of faith in that. And there's faith in trusting God that he's not going to abandon us, faith in allowing ourselves to have an intimate relationship with Christ and, and not in a weird way, but, but talking about emotional intimacy and spiritual intimacy, that that can be really scary. It's, you know, you're being extremely vulnerable. Um, and in order to be vulnerable in, um, in your podcast, you talked about us being dependent on God. 
And that I reacted to that. Like the pride in me was like, I do not, I am not dependent on anyone, <laughs> which is quite untrue being a stay at home mom who does not work. Um, but, um, but that just like, I was like, Oh, I don't like that. And then I thought about it. I was like, no, we're absolutely supposed to depend on God. But that word, that term dependency is, is, is humbling, but it, it requires faith. And and a vulnerability too, to be dependent on someone is a vulnerable place to be, right? Yes, absolutely. I was remembering again when I couldn't fall asleep um, early this morning uh, that when I stopped working um, and was, was staying home that I had nightmares for like probably a month where my husband would like get super ill or <laughs> have an injury and not be able to work and just and I realized that I was sort of processing that I was, we, we were both dependent on his job. It was just his job. That was, that was the, the income, the way that we could function as human beings. And, and that's scary. Dependency is absolutely, it, it's a scary thing to consider, but we can depend on God in a way that we can't depend on humans. That's why dependency is scary because humans fail and God doesn't. And yet ultimately in that, in that position of being a stay-at-home mom and being dependent on your husband's income, you really are dependent on the Lord because God is providing that income, right? It's all from Absolutely. him. Back to every good thing is from him in the, yeah, no good apart from you. So I think I've always thought as being a stay-at-home mom as well and working like hardly ever in my life for money. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, you've done a lot of work, yes. not for money. <laughs> work super hard, but never for money, hardly ever for money. But anyway, I think for me, that has always just made it um, more clear of how dependent we are on God. Because when, like, say when you were working, you, you had those nightmares when you had the transition from you earning an income as a nurse to not. And when you're earning the income, as whatever, it's so easy to fool yourself into this false security of like, I've got this, I'm, I'm, I can handle this. And to put security in that income, when the income is stripped away, then the reality of your dependence on God is made visible because we were always dependent on God. The choice is I'm not going to put security in myself, but I'm going to choose to put my security in God. And that's where I think I really like the, the analogy of the, the bride and bridegroom relationship in relation to this psalm, because um, it made me think of um, Nana and Granddad, your, your mom and dad. Um, yeah. um, and thinking about that, um, I think it was highlighted for me the most in their relationship, um, especially as when, when Granddad passed away, that husbands and wives are dependent on each other for all sorts of things, that in a, in, in a healthy relationship, whether, I mean, even if it wasn't a marital relationship, if you're living with someone day in and day out and doing life with them, um, usually that's going to be a husband and wife, um, you're going to become dependent on each other for little things. Um, and, and that our relationship with God should be like that too, that it's, it's a subtle, it, it's okay for it to be a subtle dependency, but it made me think of um, shortly after uh, granddad passed away, um, we were up at the cottage with Nana and we were getting ready to leave her there. So we were like trying to think of all the things that we would want to, to make sure she knew how to do or that she had set up. And one of the things that like, I think it was the day we were getting ready to leave. She was like, wait, I don't know how to work the TV. She had never put a DVD in a DVD player. 
um, which DVDs didn't exist when her children were young. And so like, you know, I, it, it's understandable, but they watch TV and DVDs all the time. Like they always had the TV on. Um, and she had no idea how to work. Like, I don't even think she knew how to turn the TV on or turn it off. Like she might've known how to mute it, but that was it. And, and we, so we taught her how to do it, but it just like really highlighted for me, wow, in this healthy, fantastic marriage that they had over however many years it was, um, you know, there were so many little things that she depended on granddad for. And if she had been the one to pass first, then it would have been, I'm sure that we would have been teaching him how to cook and how to do all sorts. <laughs> he probably would have just moved in with someone right away. That that's healthy to depend on each other that way. And that we should have that with God, that like day-to-day dependency. Um, and just sort of wondering, do I have that with God? Is that something, do I, do I turn to him in, in moments on a regular basis and not just, you know, when the crisis hits? Uh, and that was challenging to me. Yeah, that's good. I wonder, what does that day-to-day dependence on God look like? What would you say it looks like? I think of um, praying when you have to turn left at a red light. Like, <laughs> that's like the ordinary dayness of... I don't think I've ever done that. Oh, well, it's great. <laughs> I'm not nervous turning. I don't, I don't get nervous in the car very much. Oh, I know um, you don't. When I taught you to drive, I was like, no right of way, no right of way, because you didn't care that you were no, turning left at a red light. I, but I meant, like, I'm not nervous to turn left at a red light. But I would say um, prayer is, is a great example of being dependent on God in your day to day and and just having that instinct be when when you're frustrated when you're overwhelmed um, and that's something I'm trying to work on especially in motherhood there are a lot of overwhelming moments and like trying to to turn to God and to say a quick prayer or turn on some hymns before I get to that point of you know the the kettle boiling over and just being really angry <laughs> that and, and I think that's a good example of like the day-to-day dependency of of needing that connection with God throughout your day to get through your day. Yeah, absolutely. Like parenthood to make you feel dependent on God to get you through your day. Yeah, definitely. Well did you have any other thoughts? Any closing thoughts on a psalm in general? Um oh, this is just such a great psalm. I feel like we could talk about it for ages. I think that 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 relationship between permanency and dependency and intimacy um, and how all of that kind of is wrapped up in faith. I think that was what really stuck out to me, just the importance of faith in those things and the importance of that sort of day-to-day relationship with God, which is really cool. It's cool that we get to have a day-to-day relationship with God in the way that you would with a husband or wife, that you just are kind of there for each other in the background sometimes it's not always super intentional um sometimes you know that 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 is, is is a really cool thing that we're able to have that with the creator of the universe mm-hmm. um, and just how blessed we are that we have that opportunity yeah when you were telling me earlier about how it made you think of intimacy with christ and and um you know that i'm just gonna say it sometimes we use that word um to mean sex <laughs> and obviously it doesn't but true intimacy with Christ is closer than a husband-wife relationship. And what it made me think of is, I love that phrase that's throughout scripture. I'm not sure which version it's in, but um, the hidden person of the heart, that Mm. God sees the hidden person of the heart. That to me is the expression 
of how intimate our relationship with God can be. That, you know, when you feel that no one, no one gets you, no one understands why you actually did something or why you're upset. And that can happen in marriage too, but in any relationship at church or with friends or whatever, you feel like no one is getting me. No one understands why I care about this or why I'm happy or sad. And that God does, that God knows that hidden person of the heart that no one else gets. I mean, that to me describes the intimacy we can have with Christ. Yeah. And I think that that's such a common human experience, that feeling of nobody understands me. Nobody understands what I'm feeling right now. And it's so comforting to think that God does. Yeah. That, that God absolutely, that God, God knows our hearts, knows everything. And so God absolutely understands us and understands our true intentions, even when in, intentions, like the actions behind those intentions fall apart and, you know, and, and things didn't go the way you wanted. And you're like, oh, nobody understands what I was trying to do here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that God absolutely understands that and he, and he knows. Um, and that's so comforting because I think it really is something that everyone everyone wants to have someone who understands them. And, and often you can find it in a, in a relationship, um, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, but even there, it's going to fall short. We're human. We can't fully under, we can't read each other's minds, but we, we can have that with God. And that's so cool. Yeah. And I think that's where um, this Psalm also talked about joy and peace. And I think that when we're experiencing that kind of intimacy with Christ, that's the result is we have a joy and peace that we have no other way. And it just makes me think of, like you said, God knows how we feel, you know, that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and come, come to me and you'll never thirst again. Like that. He understands those feelings, no matter what we're feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a great place to end because what, what a great thought to end on that God really does know everything about us. Yeah, so great psalm, great choices, and great testimony. And you have a great testimony because of the choices Thank you've you. made. So maybe you'll share mm-hmm. your testimony another time. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually thinking of doing a series or like adding an, another podcast a week on testimonies. testimonies. Oh, that would be so fun. Right, and just having just having an episode of sharing different people's testimonies, ordinary people with an extraordinary God. Yeah. Oh, that would be so cool. I love that. I love talking about testimonies and and I think it's so cool, especially as um, someone who has been a Christian since I was a young child. Uh, Matthew and I were just contemplating last night because we recently shared our testimonies with our pastor that um, when you've been a Christian since you were a small child, you have to kind of be like, okay, well, which testimony am I going to share? Because there's just so much, the longer you're a Christian, the more your testimony is going to grow and change. And that's, that's so cool that, um, and I think just that concept that your testimony isn't limited to, you know, saying the salvation prayer, that it's, it's the testimony of what God has done in your life. And that's awesome. Yeah. Right. Just anything that God has done in your life, when you talk about it, that's the, you're giving witness. Yeah, the awesome guy. So anyway, that'll be. Well, I would love to listen to that, and I would love to be on that podcast. Well, good. Well, we'll see if I get around to it. All right. Well, thanks, Jess. Thanks for being on this episode, and and thanks for thinking through all those things. This was really fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me, and thanks for doing this podcast as a 
mom of a young baby who does not have a whole lot of time, this is something that, that blesses me on a regular basis to be able to just take a break while I do the dishes or while I'm doing something else um, and, and have a moment of, of sort of connection um, with, with someone else and, and listen to someone else's words as they process scripture or as they talk about Christian stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that makes it all worth it. All right. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Talk to you later. Love you. Bye. As always, thanks for listening. And I hope that this conversation will increase your desire to go spend some time in God's word yourself. Till next time. Thank you.